All right. All right. I'm going to move pretty quickly. God wants us to love him. We talked about it. We established that with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, everything that we've got. And he won't make us do that. Uh, he's not going to make us. He wants us to do that. Jesus commanded us to love him, uh, yet he's not going to make it. He said to love him is the most important and the greatest purpose of your life. And I know that there are probably still, after three weeks of this message, people saying, I just wish I knew my purpose. Come on. I'm telling you, love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Try to do that. I guarantee you're not going to be looking for your purpose after that. Do that. God says, you seek first his kingdom and all these other things are going to come to you. All right? Um, so I, 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 he wants you, of course, to obey him and what he's asked you for you to do, but he's not going to force you to do that. So I guess it's up to you to obey, uh, to, to love Jesus or not. That's up to you. This was the essence of our first message in the series that we're simply calling purpose. Purpose is a big deal to me. And um, it's the reason why we're here. And that first week I said to express love to God is actually called worship. Worship. Second week, God also wants, he wants us to love people. He said, now you can choose who you love. Okay? Um, like if someone doesn't agree with you, you don't have to love them. I mean, if somebody doesn't talk to you, you don't have to love them. If somebody's unkind to you, and that kind of stuff, you don't have to love them. Um, you think that's true? No, sir, no, ma'am. That is not what he said. He said to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's the second most important purpose of your life. That's the second most important purpose of your life. <clears throat> I, um, I, I, I get an opportunity to, Crystal and I get to go over to Chris and Mallory's every other Thursday night and we do a little Bible study and we hang out and talk and sometimes we have dinner, sometimes we just you know chat. Sometimes they, have to, they took off and they had to, to go see, take care of uh, seeing his grandpa and we got a chance to be with Macy and Calvin and just hang out with them. That was fun. She taught us a lot while we were there. <clears throat> and uh, she's a smart girl. And, um, and we were talking after it was over. She said something about Mallory. She said, you know what? I, I just felt like at work, I felt like I, I see this gal. She's kind of angry and upset or whatever. And I, I feel like I need to give her some, some vacation time, like her own vacation time. I hope it's okay that I'm sharing this. Um, she said, I'd like to, I'd, I want to give my, some vacation time to this, to this girl. And she mentioned to somebody, like, how can I make sure this happens? She said, oh, no, you don't want to give it to her because she, she's, not, she's not good. She's, she's pretty mean. And Mallory said, no, 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 no. I, I felt like I was supposed to do this and give it to her. Now, guys, that's loving your neighbor as yourself. I think that's cool. God wants you, he commands you to love people. But again, it's up to you. He won't force you to do that. He won't force you to fulfill your purpose in your life. Um, these first two purposes, worship God and love people, are referred to as Jesus' great commandments. And he said that the entire Old Testament hinges on these two commandments. We talked about this. They are the, the, the two most important purposes for your life. 
two most important. Last week, we began breaking down the first part of the message, of the, of the mission, I should say, that Jesus gave to his disciples, and of course, in turn, to you and I. And, and Jesus' last words, just before ascending into heaven, he activated a mission, um, and, and, and the next purpose of your life, in fact. And the mission comes from Matthew 28, 19, and 20, and I'm not going to go into this uh, deeply, but it says, go. That's the first thing, Go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And, and in other words, do what I just did with you guys. I made you my disciples. Now you go make disciples of all nations for me. And then I talked about, and what I really focused on last week, was baptizing them uh, uh, as part of, of his mission, uh, the first part of it. And he said that it's our purpose. Uh, of course, he wants us to be saved. I mean, uh, you don't have to, but he wants you to be saved. That We didn't focus on that last week. What we really focused on was getting connected to or becoming part of a local body of Christ, the local body of Christ, a church uh, body, a particular church, getting connected to and becoming part of the family that we call the bridge. To hang with people, cool people, uh, uh, who love you and care about the things that are going on in your life. They really do. Uh, they support you and to encourage you and your spiritual growth, which then takes us all the way up to this week and, and, and the, next, the next purpose of your life and the second part of the mission that Jesus activated just before ascending into heaven. And again, I want to read to you the Great Commission, Matthew 28, and specifically going directly to the area where it says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And today I want to focus just on that statement. And in other words, Jesus is saying, teach them what I did. Teach them how I lived. Teach them uh, what I told them to do or told you to do and how I lived. In other words, teach them to get to know me. Teach them to get to know me. So if you'll indulge me just for a little while today, I want to talk to you about something much more important than the Super Bowl game. <clears throat> Go Eagles. Um, I, I, I want to talk to you today um, about, and it's also my title, another one of God's purposes for your life, of course, and that is the purpose of knowing God better. He said, teach them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. Now, before we continue on, I think it's important to clear something up. We're talking about us knowing God better. That's the topic today, not him knowing you better. He says, God already knows you. Uh, to help us this, with this, we need to understand a little bit about God's nature. God is a spirit. Everybody say a spirit. Um, Webster's talks about this or defines that as a supernatural being or essence, a being having an immaterial nature. The Hebrew word for that is rock, and it, it, it can mean wind, breath, life. Um, um, uh, rain of the sky, and, and, and the Greek translation of that is pneuma. The word for it is pneuma. It can mean a current of air, breath, blast, uh, breeze, spirit, soul, uh, uh, angel, a demon, or God. All three of these definitions emphasize that a spirit doesn't have flesh and bone. <clears throat> a spirit, uh, God is a, a spirit and an intelligent, supernatural being who does not have a physical body. He's invisible. God's, the spirit is invisible unless he chooses to manifest himself in some visual forms to us humans. Although humans can see 
uh, God when he appears in various forms, as in he did with Jesus Christ himself, no one can directly see the invisible spirit of God. God is also omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. Uh, God is also omniscient, uh, 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 which is all-knowing. In Psalms 119, we read this. God knows everything, everything, including your, your movements and your thoughts and, and, and paths that you take in ways and words. The Bible says he knows the very number of hair on your head. And he also said that, that he knows the intents, what you intend to do. He knows the intents of your heart. God is also omnipotent, all-powerful. Many times God calls himself the Almighty in Scripture. Um, and he has all the power there is. Um, and, and, and no being can exercise any power unless God allows that. That's scripture. God's also eternal. Um, uh, God's also immutable, unchanging. Uh, God's character and attributes do not change. In fact, he says, I am the Lord, I change not. I change not. Now the point here is God already knows you. He's, he's good enough. He's got enough Within him, he already knows you. God knows you better than anyone. He knows you intimately. God, he knows you better than you know yourself. Better than you know yourself. But today, we're talking about us knowing him better. And so we want to know, knowing his character, we want to know what he wants what he wants and desires from us, what um, he, he might do or say in different circumstances so that we can maybe do that. Or, or so we, knowing him close, uh, knowing God intimately. I, I start to think about this word intimately just a little bit, and I, I always tease Crystal. I say, I know you like the back of my hand, girl. And of course, that's clearly not the case. been proven many times over, trust me. <clears throat> But, but after almost 40 years, I've gotten to know her, you know, a little bit better. I know the look, trust me. Uh, I, I know topics that I got to stay away from. I, I know some things like uh, Rook. We don't play Rook. She got mad in, in a Rook game. We don't play Rook anymore. I know some things that she likes. I, 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 know, some, I know certain facial expressions that she's got. And it's like, okay, all right, I got that. Uh, I, I know things that she hates. I, I, I know what she's good at. I know she's competitive and, and hates to lose. And I know her body language. We know each other intimately, intellectually. I know her and I trust her. I know her and I love her. Uh, but I still, I still want to know her better. I want to know her better. Wouldn't it be crazy? He said, I, I know you enough. I'm, I'm cool. I love Crystal. And it's important to me that I get to know her so that I can make her happy, so that I can please her. I want our relationship to grow and get even better than it is. I kind of like her. I like being married to her. I want to stay that way. And then I think about that intimacy word, and I think about uh, um, a mother and her baby. I think, you know, even while the baby is in mommy's belly, uh, that baby's getting to know mommy, like the smell and, and getting to know her touch. I see Jenna, she's always kind of doing this, you know. And the baby gets to, to know mama's touch, mama's feel. And the baby gets to know mama's voice. And when she's singing or if she's 
you know, yelling at Dustin or something like that. No, she don't do that. I don't think. Um, but he gets to know the voice. They, they even think babies begin to learn if mommy's uh, upset or tired or excited while they're still in the belly. But then after like little Rylan was, was born, um, you talk about intimacy between mommy and her baby. Since Rylan was premature, uh, Cynthia couldn't stand it. She couldn't stand being away and being separated from her little baby. And mamas, all of us, we begin, all the mamas begin to learn the, the, the different cries. One means, you know, um, I'm hungry. One means I'm fussy. One means I'm angry. Um, one means probably I, I, my diaper's loaded, whatever. But Crystal said in the hospital she knew Devin's cry when, when they were wheeling him down the, the, the hallway to, to him, uh, to her, for the first time. And, and most of the time when the child becomes, the children become older or whatever, both parents and their children have become um, uh, so intimate. They, they know by a certain body language or a certain um, um, tone of voice what's coming next. I mean, if you lived with your brothers and sisters or your mom and your dad or whatever, you know what's happening. There were certain things that you just didn't do in the presence of my mom and dad or you weren't gonna make it out alive. Um, and that's just true. I mean, I, I, honestly, I don't think any of them, she, they, I don't think they killed any of them. I was the last one. But um, yeah. <clears throat> and I will say this, kids here today, you might think that your mom and dad don't know when you're fibbing or when, you know, um, you're up to something sneaky or whatever. But most of the time, they know. They know. You know why? Because they love you. And they've made it their life's mission to get to know you. They made it their life's mission to get very close to you. They know you. How about a, talking about this intimacy, how about a, a dog and its master? Anybody uh, have a dog that, you know, yeah. How many have dogs here? I thought everybody, just about everybody did the way y'all talk about it. Uh, man, all you gotta do is look a certain way and phew. You know, if you, if you look at the door or if you take a step towards the door and that dog's going where, you know, they know and, and they know you. They become intimate. They make, they, they make move towards that door. There's a certain thing that you might do. You might tap on the, on the sofa or you might do whatever. You might do one of these movements or snap your finger or whatever. They know what's going on. <clears throat> I, Crystal, um, I, I love dogs. I grew up with a German Shepherd and I really love dogs. And so um, I wanted to get a dog. And uh, so... It was 20-something years into our marriage, and I had held off long enough, and I thought, I'm getting a dog. So I took the boys over. We went to the pet adoption place, and I got a German Shepherd mix of some sort, and he was eight months old, and uh, Crystal loves dogs not so much, and, um, and, and wouldn't you know it, the dog hunter would follow her around everywhere, um, and it was probably because she ended up being the one who fed him. 
So every time he's hungry, he's, of course, following you. But every time he wanted to play or something like that, he'd come up and, you know, nudge my arm or whatever, you know, I'd, I'd be trying to do something. He'd nudge my arm or, or he'd, you know, sit on my foot or lean against my leg or just, you know, kind of lounge on me or whatever. And, and you know, we'd play or wrestle or the kids would do the same. And I'll never forget one night, and it was kind of late, we're getting ready to go to bed. And I'm laying out on the floor looking at the TV above and the kids are all out and, and, um, in, in the sofas and Crystal likes to go to bed early. She, she hits the sack pretty early. <clears throat> and uh, the dog, Hunter, would always come up to me and he would just, just get just close enough to kind of tickle the back of my neck, kind of like sniffing around my neck that was like, hey, you know, I'm here, dude. Um, you know, and we're all watching TV. And I said, get, get out of here, Hunter, you know, get out of here. Well, one night, I felt that little tickle on my neck, and I mean, I went like that, and it was Crystal giving me a kiss on my neck. She was giving me a kiss goodnight to go to bed, and I smacked her good. I smacked her really good, um, or bad, whichever one you want to say. Um, It's no wonder she ended up giving that dog away. Um, And she lost no sleep over that, by the way. Uh, I was crying every time she wasn't looking. But, but Hunter knew my movements. Um, he, he knew my voice. He knew our voice. Uh, uh, he knew when we were upset, when we were happy. Uh, but, but we got to know each other pretty good, that dog and I. Here's a question for you today. How well do you know God? How intimately do you know him? I love Jesus. I mean, he died for me, paid the price uh, for my sins, that I, a, debt that I, a debt I couldn't owe or couldn't pay. And, and why wouldn't I want to know him better? He did that for me. I mean, why wouldn't I find out what he told us to do? Why wouldn't I find out how he lived his life so that maybe I could figure out maybe that's the way I was supposed to live my life? If he wants me to know him I need to look at his word. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, the whole Bible was given, everybody say the whole Bible, was given to us by inspiration from God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and helps us do what is right. And I need that. I mean, I need something that shows me what is true in this world. It's so difficult to discern sometimes what is true. I need something that's honest, somebody or something that's honest enough with me to say, Steve, you're heading down the wrong direction. You're heading in the wrong way. There are many evidences that the Bible is true and it is God's actual word. Uh, and we've discussed that in, at length in, in, in another series that we talked about. We talked about the evidence of, that it's evidence of it in history. There's evidence of, of, of consistency throughout the whole word of God, all talking about one story, one person, all these different 40 authors and, and, and written over a 1,500-year span of time, but yet all the same story. And the, and the real evidence here is changed lives. That's the smoking gun evidence that's sitting in this room here today. In just the short time that we've existed here at the bridge, already we could go around this room and hear the stories about how God's word and his people have been changed and their lives have been changed. Jesus said 
in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words, how many are hearing these words today? Amen? Hearing these words of mine and put them into practice. You see, hearing it is not enough, but you gotta put it into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus says, you want a foundation for life? Uh, you want something that you can stand on when there's tough times in your life? My words, that's what they are. So how can I get a firm grip, a firm grip on God's word? How do I get to know God better? And the first thing, as we move through these very quickly, you've got to hear God's word. There's lots of ways that we hear God's word, um, like right now, as, we're, as I'm speaking here today in church, uh, on the radio, YouTube, podcast, TV, whatever. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Every time you hear the word, the, God's word, it raises your faith. It, it enables and empowers your faith. And that's really good news. And the really bad news is that we tend to forget about 95% of what we hear about 72 hours after we hear it. That's, that's a fact. And that depresses me after spending some time going through and putting this message together that you guys are gonna forget 95% of this before you hit the streets here today. How do you do more than just hear it? Because hearing it isn't enough. Hearing it is just one way, but it's like, it's like holding on to Scripture, like a, a Bible. Crystal's got a big Bible with just your pinky and your thumb. There's no grip there. How long can you hold on to a big Bible before eventually it gets, you know, works its way loose <clears throat> and slips, the truth actually slips away? Um, this whole concept is, you sort of experience it, many of us do here today, you hear a message and you think, man, I'm gonna do what Steve said today. I, I'm gonna go do that. And then, like I said, before you even get out of the parking lot, the truth slips away. How do you get a firmer grip so that you get to know him better? The next way is you need to read God's word. Man, I'm gonna tell you something. It is so cool to see all of the version notifications coming into my inbox of everybody reading every single day, reading God's word and studying God's word. Many of you are reading God's word every day. I encourage the rest of you who are not doing this, download the version app and get to reading right away. Um, uh, the Bible is filled with uh, the, the kind of stories that, that we like to read. I mean, stories uh, about sin and, and sex and violence. I mean, those kinds of stories, they're in there. But it also, it's got stories about God's compassion and, and, and about how God reaches out to people who felt like they could never find God and, and, and about God working miracles in people's lives. It's an incredible book. It's filled with stories of people larger than life, people who fought against giants and won and, and someone who swallowed, was swallowed by a whale and spit up on the shore as God redirected his life. That's pretty interesting. People who were raised from the dead. The Bible's God's word inspired the art of Michelangelo, inspired uh, the plays of William Shakespeare, and of course it still inspires the films of Hollywood today and so much more. Yet with all of that, the incredible thing is is how little we really read the book. Statistics across the U.S. and just the U.S. 
have shown, and, and this is not just churchgoers, this is all of the United States say that 91% own a Bible, and there's an average of three Bibles in every home. 80% of the people, they believe that the Bible is the most important book ever written. 58% of the Americans say that they, uh, that they think that everything in the Bible is true. So why don't we read it? Why don't we read it as much? In Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 19, it says, the scripture, the scripture, the Bible, shall be his constant companion. He must read it. He must read from it every day of his life so he'll learn to respect the Lord his God by obeying, everybody say obeying, obeying his commands. God wants all of us to read from his book on a daily basis, daily basis. This verse was talking about uh, the king of Israel, which tells me the more responsibility you have, the busier your life gets, the more important it is to read the Bible. Uh, Why don't we? Why don't we? Let me give you a suggestion too, by the way. Read a translation that makes, you know, that, that, that's easy for you, that that's, that's, uh, you can understand, if you will. Uh, I would recommend if you're just reading and you want something that's just everyday language, the message is really good for that. Um, it's not a study Bible, but it's something that you, it's easy to pick up. It's easy to read. Um, uh, that's very important. Get to, to get to know this book. Get to know God's word, and, and you get to know God better. And, and he will change your life. When you read and then you study, um, which is next, you, you, you add more fingers to the grip. You know, everything that you do, everything that you add, you get more strength to that grip that you have on God's word and helps you grow closer to him. Uh, The next thing that you need to do is study God's word. Not just read it, but begin to really dig in and and take notes and study. Acts 17, 11, they accepted the message eagerly and they studied the scriptures every day. Link groups are good for this, guys. Uh, If you're not in a link group, go online today. Uh, and, and we've already started, but that's okay. Jump into a link group and, and join online today. The difference here is that you take notes when you study. Highlight a verse that stands out. Uh, you study God's word by writing down things that God has said to you. Why study? Why read? Why, why, why hear? Uh, just for better information? No. God wants you to build a foundation for your life. So, so I can find the answers uh, that I need for today so that I can find some hope that I need today so that I can find the joy that I need and I want in my life so I can know God better and fulfill my purpose in life. You, you may want to learn to trust God, but you can't trust somebody that you don't even know. How do you trust somebody that, that you don't know? This book is really God's invitation to us to have a relationship with him. That's really what it is. It's an invitation to have a relationship with him. When you read the Bible, it's not as if you're reading this list of laws and rules and do's and don'ts and all that kind of thing. It's more like um, a father's guidance kind of thing. It's like allowing God to kind of just like get just a little bit closer and, and kind of sit up next to you and, and say, you know what? Let me help you with that problem that you're having with your kids or, or with your spouse or with your job, or with your finances, or with your health, whatever it is. It's like he's looking you right in the eye, and he's saying, I know you feel like there's no hope right now, 
Let me show you through this study where, where there's hope right in the middle of your hopelessness. That's what studying the word of God can do for you. That's what the Bible is all about. It's about getting closer to God. It's about a book about God's relationship with us. The next thing is that we need to memorize God's word. And you're saying, no chance of that. That ain't happening. Well, let me tell you something. You memorize the things that you want to memorize. A lot, of, a lot of you memorize sports stats. A lot of you might memorize the stocks or, or something work-related. We memorize what's important to us. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 2 and 3, guard my words, guard my words as your most precious possession. Write them down and also keep them deep within your heart. I'm not talking about just a mental exercise of memorizing God's words. I'm talking about getting close, getting intimate with God to help me in my life, to help others. And Psalms 119 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When temptation hits you, the more that you've memorized, the more help God can give you. Uh, uh, during that tough time or that temptation when you're facing a decision or facing a time of depression or, or stress or hurt. His word is, is close. It's hidden in your heart then. And then we need to meditate on God's word. And I'm not talking about the mm thing, okay? I, I, I'm not talking about clearing my mind. I'm talk, in fact, I'm talking about focusing your mind on scripture so that you can see how the truth fits into your life. How does that truth that I'm, that I'm thinking about, right, I'm studying on, that I'm meditating on, fit into the way that I talk to my kids? How, 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 does it fit, how does this truth fit into the way that I'm managing my business? How does it fit into the kind of attitude that I got going on today? And that's what I mean by this. In Psalms 1, chapter uh, 1, verses 2 and 3, it says, They love the Lord's teaching, and they think about those teachings day and night. So they are strong like a tree planted by a river. Everything they do, everything they do, everybody say everything. Everything they do will succeed, it says. The Bible says that when you meditate on his word, it's like planting yourself in rich soil where, where true success can come into your life. Why is this so important, thinking about and meditating on God's word? In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, your life is shaped by your thoughts. Your life is shaped by what you think. What I'm thinking about today is what I'm going to become tomorrow. Listen to what Joshua says in Joshua 1, 8. Meditate on the word day and night so you may be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then, then you will be prosperous and successful. I think that's pretty interesting that God is giving us a clear-cut path to success, don't you? I think that's pretty cool. When, when you do these steps that we've talked about here today, when you hear God's word, read it, study, memorize, and meditate on God's word, now you've got a firm grip on God's word, on the truth, and a much harder for it to slip away. And then secondly, we continue to get closer and more intimate with God. And this builds our faith and trust and desire to please him. And then, and then our final point for today, we begin to obey God and his teachings and his ways and what he told us to do, which is really the whole point of it all, isn't it? For us to do it. 
And that is my, my last point. Do God's word. In James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, don't fool yourselves into just listening to the word. Instead, put it into practice. You know, we can fool ourselves and think, you know, you sit and you hear a lot of Bible studies or sermons and hearing people talk about the Bible and you can fool yourself into thinking that you're, you're growing spiritually and you're, you're getting closer to God and that, that, that great things are happening in your relationship with God. And I'm not saying it doesn't. Obviously, we just talked about that. But when all that's really happening is that you're listening to other people talk about it. That's what you're doing. James said, don't fool yourself. It's like if the worship team would come. It's like if we all went to this big gym. Like uh, Planet Fitness. How many are signed up at Planet Fitness? Okay, it's just me. I'm just the healthy one here today. Um, how about Club Fitness? Anybody in Club Fitness? Gold's Gym. What is it? How many are in a fitness, some kind of a fitness program of some sort? Hey, guys, this is only January. It's February here. We should be, all, all of us in there. Oh boy, isn't that the, well, anyway. If we all go to this big, imagine ourselves in this big gym, and it's just us, and we're all in this big gym, and, and you were all there working out, sweating like crazy, really getting it going, you know, working up a sweat, and I walk in, get my lawn chair out, I set it up, and I sat down, and I just kind of watched you guys work out. And I get my bag of Doritos. <laughs> I open it up and eat those Doritos while you guys were sweating. Crumble up the package. Throw it away. Pick up my chair and say, wow, wasn't that a great workout? Wouldn't you think that would be a little strange? <laughs> or wouldn't you say that probably is what he does? Um, anyway. What's it worth watching somebody else do the workout? I gotta do it myself benefit me I've got to do it myself to not just me to benefit others I got to do it myself I'm finding that out many times you can fool yourself by listening to somebody else talk about it but not doing anything about it the question is what will you do about what you about what we've talked about here today it's easy to figure out what other people should do or need to do I hate it when I've got to do it What are you going to do? Shall we stand? What are you going to do about God's word? Do you value God's word? Do you, do you want to know God better? It is one of our purposes. This book, the Bible, is so easy to get today. You can get it, as I said, online. You can go to just about any store and pick it up. But I don't want to ever lose the sight of its value, lose sight of the price that it took for me to be able to hold that book in my hands and to read it and to let it impact my life.
know, for the first 1,500 years of Christianity, only the elite could hold the book, were allowed to even hold the Bible for themselves, only the elite. And then, if they could, they did hold it, they had to learn or know Latin because it wasn't written in English. They had to learn Latin. In the early 1500s, William Tyndale decided to translate the Bible for the first time in, into the English language from the Greek and Latin so that everyone would have a chance to read it. And for that crime alone, he was burned at the stake. You and I get to live in a, in a day where it's just readily available to us anytime, anywhere. And we can hold this book and read it and let it impact our life. And it's a real chance to get to know God. We have absolutely no excuse. So the question is, what will you and I do about what this book says? Matthew 5.19 says, Whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever practices them, not comes to church and listens, but practices them. Do not do them. Not to, not only do them myself, but also to, to, to help others to be able to do it. Help them learn how to do it. What are you going to do? What are you going to do about what we talked about here today? John, the last verse here today. Chapter 13, verse 17 says, Now that you know these things, do them. And look what he says. That is the path of blessing. Everybody's looking for blessing anyway. There's the answer. I said earlier, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will come to you. Here it is again. Now that you know them, do them. And that's the path to blessing. Let's sing. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away.